hill of Hagar, which faces Jessamine. So Saul went down to the desert of Ziph with his 3,000 select Israelite troops to search there for David. Saul made his camp beside the road on the hill of Hakalah facing Jessamine. But David stayed in the wilderness. When he saw that Saul had followed him there, he sent out scouts and learned that Saul had definitely arrived. Then David set out and went to the place where Saul had camped. He saw where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of the army, had lain down. Saul was lying inside the camp with the army camped around him. David then asked Ahimelech the Hittite and Abishah, son of Zeruiah, Job's brother, who will go down into the camp with me to Saul? I'll go with you, said Abishai. So David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. Abishai said to David, Today God has given your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, Don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him, or his time will come and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head and let's go. So David took the spear and water jug near Saul's head and they left. No one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. They were all sleeping because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. Then David crossed over to the other side and stood on top of the hill some distance away. There was a wide space between them. He called out to the army and to Abner, son of Ner, Aren't you going to answer me, Abner? Abner replied, Who are you who calls to the king? David said, You're a man, aren't you? And who is like you in Israel? Why didn't you guard your lord the king? Someone came to destroy the lord the king. What you have done is not good. As surely as the lord lives, you and your men must die because you did not guard your master, the Lord's anointed. Look around you. Where are the king's spear and water jug that were near his head? Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is that your voice, David, my son? David replied, Yes, it is, my lord, the king. And he added, Why is my lord pursuing his servant? What have I done and what what wrong am I guilty of? Now let my lord, the king, Listen to his servant's words. If the Lord has incited you against me, then may he accept an offering. If, however, people have done it, may they be cursed before the Lord. They have driven me today from my share in the Lord's inheritance and have said, go, serve other gods. Now do not let my blood fall to the ground far from the presence of the Lord. The king of Israel has come out to look for a flea as one hunts a partridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son. Because you considered my life precious today, I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool and have been terribly wrong. Here is the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over and get it. 
The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord gave you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, David, my son. You will do great things and surely triumph. So David went on his way and Saul returned home. Let's pray and then we'll think about those verses. Almighty God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this fascinating story. We pray that as we ponder it together now, that your Holy Spirit would help us, that we would uh, see what you want to say to us, and that you would change us because of your word. Father, I pray you'd help us as we listen. I pray you would help me as I speak. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm very happy to be with you again here at Bishop Hannington and it's good to be able to share the word of God. This is a really fascinating story. Some of you may be familiar with the story, perhaps some of you are not. But the story of David and Saul is quite a saga. It's the sort of thing, I guess, if you wanted to produce a film, you might be able to do so because there are a number of episodes and you'd be able to slowly unravel the story. But in the chapter that's been read for us today, there are three key characters. There's Saul, and there's Abishai, and there's David. And I want us just to reflect for a few minutes on these three characters. The background to the story is that David has been anointed the king of Israel. But he knows that he's a king in waiting. He knows this isn't going to happen overnight. He's got to be patient. He's got to wait for God's time. And he's got to wait for God's way. And perhaps like all of us, he found that very difficult and very frustrating at times. Saul was the king. And in terms of everyday affairs at that moment of time, was exercising kingship. But it was very shallow. It is very empty. When we look into his spiritual life, we see that there's a lot that's external, but in his heart, uh, it's pretty dead. It's black, it's empty, and nothing much is happening. All the semblance of kingship is there, and perhaps from time to time he wears the crown, and as he's king of Israel, he's going about duties, and from the outside, people would look and say, Saul is king. But in his heart, he's no longer in the place that once he was. When he was first given the kingship, there was something very humble about this man. When he was first placed into this position, he was someone who was truly wanting to do the will of God. But having got into the position of being king, things started to go wrong and fairly quickly. And instead of following God's agenda he began to have his own agenda. Instead of seeking God's will and God's plans, he started to walk along his own plans. He'd been told very clearly that the kingdom and the priesthood should not be confused. 
But there was an occasion when he tried to act as priest as well as king. And God had very clearly said, you don't do that. God had given instructions on another occasion concerning the way that he should deal with his enemies. And he was a bit half-hearted about that. He, he did most of what he was meant to do, but he didn't do all of what he was meant to do. And consequently, the Lord looked into his heart and saw a man who was fading away in terms of spiritual verver, in terms of someone who was really seeking to do what God was telling him to do. And it was during that time that the Lord said, I am going to anoint a new king. And it's during that time that David, who is the youngest, he's the shepherd boy, he's not at the home when Samuel arrives to anoint the new king, he's just not seen, he's way out in the hills praising God and learning to walk with God in a very different situation to his brothers. But as he's seeking to walk with God, God has got his hand upon him. And something is already evident that's going to be said about David in years to come. David had a heart for God. He had a desire to do the will of God. Now, Scripture records that he was far from perfect, and we know as the whole story comes together, there are some very serious mistakes that are not overlooked. They're not swept under the carpet. But in terms of the agenda, in terms of the plan of God, in bringing the tribes of Israel together, in terms of the land that they were to occupy, in terms of paving the way for Solomon who would build a temple, David was doing the will of God. But at this moment of time, it's promises. He's heard from God. He's even been anointed to be the king, but he's not allowed to enter that position. He has got to wait. You know, there are times in our own lives when God may have said things to us. God may have promised things to us. God may have given us a vision, an insight, uh, an opening in our minds concerning what's ahead and what he has for us. We must be very careful to make sure that we walk with God and we don't run ahead of him. Of course, we must not either lag behind him. We must keep in step with God and we must always be open to the fact that even when God lays a vision, a burden, something upon our hearts, that the shape of it may still yet to be determined. Just because God has said, well, this is what I want you to do, maybe the actual working out of it won't be quite what you think at the time. But David had that humility and David had that patience to wait. Saul very quickly just enjoyed the role, just enjoyed being king, but didn't actually walk with God. It's very, very sad. The Bible talks about this sort of people, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of it. Someone who, uh, as the scriptures say in the letters, to the churches in Revelation. You've got a name that you live, but actually you're dead. There's no spiritual life there at all. That's an incredibly strong thing to say. But something we all need to be alert to. Just because we're walking in a certain direction, just because we're still doing things that Christians do, is no guarantee that in our hearts 
we are beating for God and that we are longing for him and want him to be in the centre of every activity that we do. It's very easy to have an outward show that the fire that burnt within us, the day that we realised that Jesus had died on the cross for us, the day that we understood that he rose from the dead for us, the day that we perceived and knew that we were sinners far from God and that we needed to be reconciled to God and brought to Christ, well, sometimes that can go into the past. And although we may chalk it up as part of our history, in terms of living reality today, it's lacking, it's not there. David was not a man of the past. He was not yesterday's man. He was God's man for today. And Saul had very much become yesterday's man. And so in 1 Samuel 26, we see a second occasion where David has an opportunity to get rid of this man who has been a great enemy to him. The Ziphites were also enemies and they were only too happy to portray David's position and whereabouts and this was the second time they got into that. But uh, Saul is on the lookout for David. He's threatened by David. He's threatened by his walk with God. He may not have seen it that way, but that's actually what it was all about. David was everything that he wasn't. And therefore, he was kicking out against him, throwing the javelin, trying to pin him to the wall, and then David had fled and moved out of the palace, and now he's pursuing him. And this is the second time that David comes across Saul in the camp, could have taken his life, but chooses not to do so. Again, the the story of Saul is, is so sad because on the first occasion when David could have got revenge and could have got rid of this constantly being pursued, constantly being chased, uh, he, he doesn't do that. And, and Saul seems contrite and he seems to realize that uh, this wasn't really the proper way to behave. But again, it, it's shallow. There's no real sincerity about that. It may be remorse, but remorse isn't actually the same as repentance. Sometimes we can be sorry because of the impact, the effects of what we've done, but we're not actually sorry about what we've done, and we don't want to change. It's just that we don't want to get caught anymore, or found out, or uncovered. That's not repentance. That's not the core and nature of the prayers of confession that we've been led in today. The nature of those prayers is saying, Lord, I want to change. I want to be like you. And so Saul has gathered an army. He's got about 3,000 crack troops and they're on the lookout for David who's got an army of about 600 troops, well outnumbered. But as the time comes, Saul decides to set up for the night and goes to sleep. But here's an interesting thing about this story. You know, the reason why David is able to get into the enemy camp, go right up to where Saul is sleeping, is not just because of a clever strategy, though he clearly thought about it and planned how he would get from where he was down into the camp where Saul was. But this wasn't a result of clever strategy. This was actually something that God was doing 
to try and speak to Saul and try and just emphasize, Saul, you are in such a bad place. You need to change. Because the Bible clearly says that a deep sleep comes over Saul and Abner and the others. And that is why David and Abishai are having a chat and talking and Abishai is all very keen and enthusiastic. We'll come to him in just a second. But uh, God is at work. And sometimes when we're feeling harassed, sometimes when we're feeling hard done by, sometimes when we feel misunderstood, sometimes when we feel we're trying to follow God and there are those who are presenting obstacles, being perhaps very unkind, very cruel in their comments, all sorts of things going on, we must believe that God is at work. God has not fallen asleep and he is going to achieve his purposes. But we must mention Abishai. Now, if I've described Saul's spiritual life as, as really hopeless, empty, a shell, no longer a heart that longs for God, but just really planning his own things and own ways. What about Abishai? Well, when David says that he has this plan to go down into the camp, he's looking for some support. And Abishai, who in fact is his nephew, decides, yes, I'll come. Uh, He's eager, he's young, he's enthusiastic, and uh, I guess he was a good choice to go alongside in this pretty dangerous adventure. And Abishai gets very, very excited because he's right there in the camp. He can see Saul there sleeping and the other soldiers are sleeping and he can see the spear by Saul's head and he's thinking to himself, this is absolutely marvellous. This is the opportunity that we've been waiting for. He says, I can pick up this spear and I can deal with Saul. And he actually boasts, he says, I can do it with just one blow. I won't need to have several attempts. Just one blow will do it. And David says, no, that's not what you're meant to do. Abishai, I believe, does have a walk with God. I think he's in a far better place than Saul. But actually, over-enthusiasm, lack of attentiveness to what God is saying and to respond to the will of God in the moment is lacking. In some ways, he's a bit like some of the disciples who showed moments of incredible enthusiasm. Lord, we'll die for you. We'll do anything for you. But we know in the heat of the moment, they found that when Jesus was arrested, they lost heart, they lost faith. It's good to be enthusiastic. It's good to have ambition. It's great to want to do great things for God. But we must always also have a heart which says, but Lord, what are you saying? Just taking opportunities, just seizing the moment. Sometimes it may be right, but on this occasion, it was definitely not right. Because you see, David had this understanding. He understood that the purposes of God would come about by the hand of God and that he didn't have to try and do God's work for him. How many times have you or I perhaps been guilty of that, of trying to give God a hand to steer something into place, to make something happen? It's a very easy thing to fall into, but we don't need to do it. 
whether that's something fairly serious or something that's minor, it doesn't matter, serious or minor, we need to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you and I want to walk your way and I don't need to take matters into my own hands. I do need to do what you're telling me to do. It's not that I'm lazy and just sit back and fall asleep, no. But at the same time, I'm not going to allow my enthusiasm or my desire to push you into a corner and to do things exactly my way. So David is the one who has the heart to say, Lord, you have called me. Lord, from a boy you were training me. My experiences as a shepherd, they were all part of your preparation. The day you took me from the fields to my father's house and Samuel the prophet anointed me with oil and declared I would be the king of Israel was an incredible day. But you will make it happen. It's not going to be by my schemes, by my strategies, how many men I can raise and the strength of the army and the weaponry that they have. That's not what's going to achieve it. It's not by might nor by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how the will of God will come about. David was willing to be an instrument of God to try to bring some hope into the hopelessness of disobedient, rebellious Saul. David was not going to get the kingship at any price. He would submit himself to God. In the fullness of time, David does become king. He will not put his hand against the Lord's anointed. In fact, later on when someone comes and declares, Saul is dead and I actually did the deed, that man's life is taken because so zealous is David for things to be done the right way. Where is your spiritual walk today? Are you like a Saul? Maybe things in the past were important and precious, but what about where you are in your walk, in your life this very day? And for me too. You cannot live on the past. Tomorrow I shall be, uh, yes, tomorrow I shall be heading for Africa. I can't remember how many times I've been out there now. But I know I need God tomorrow as much as I did when I went the first time 22 years ago. You cannot just rely on, well, I've done this and I know this and I know that. Our trust needs to be totally in God. Where is your walk with God this very day? God forbid, are you a Saul? Am I a Saul? A show? All the impressions and trappings of a walk with God, but actually inside you say, I don't think I really know him at all. I've done all the external things, but deep in my heart, I don't know Jesus. Today you can discover him and to know him or come back to him. Are you an Abishai? Full of enthusiasm, get up and go, but needing just to be patient and wait God's time. Or are you and I a David who says, I know what God has said, I know what God is going to do, I will wait and respond to him. May we pray.
Almighty God, you see our hearts, you know us through and through. You know where our relationship with you is at. You know the reality of it, you know the depth of it. You know when we love you so much even though we know we fail. You know where the light has gone out a long time ago and no longer is there a passion and love for Jesus. Lord, come and stir us today. Help us to be like David, not to be like Saul. And Lord, just speak to us and draw us to yourself. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.